to remind you of my love. God, are you still talking about Hamilton? Yeah, so apparently... King... We've been talking non-stop, which is another song from <laughs> yes. Hamilton. Oh, man, a man is non-stop. Isn't King George III played a little bit more like a Shut villain? Shut up! In America. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit. I think he was made slightly more comedic. comedic guys, for... guys, it's podcast time. Yeah, I know. That's why we're talking, about, we're Hamilton. talking about Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's sort on, of an interesting... some diversionary tactic. Have you got any ideas? King Quick, look behind you. Of... It's Louis XIV. Yeah. <laughs> Louis XIV was the previous century. Although if you want to talk oh, about oh, men in the middle of a military message... But what if there is no tomorrow? Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Farthing, and I'm Hazel Burton. On the show today, we have got a film buff or film bluff quiz and rather large shameful gap. Because one of our nerds has never seen Groundhog Day. Oh, shame. Okay. What else? We have rather a large, shameful gap. Because one of our nerds has never seen Groundhog Day. Oh, shame. Okay. What else? <laughs> <laughs> See, they've got time to do the Groundhog Day joke over and over again, but they've not got time for Hamel Chat. Hamel Chat. Hamel like Chat, it. yeah. That's, that's, our, that's our new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Is that your new catchphrase? <laughs> <laughs> Another Hamilton oh, reference. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's when um, George Washington no, no. says, <laughs> do you want to be... <laughs> <laughs> okay, all of us have got three facts, but they have made one of them up. So we have to try and work out which one is the bluff. I'm going to throw it over to John first. I have some facts about the Joker. A while back, we had Batman's Oddest Stories. Um, Which was brilliant. I, I've now yeah. had a look at Batman's arch nemesis, the Joker, and these are three facts about the Joker, one of which is bullshit, two of which are amazingly true. Number one, the Joker once poisoned all the fish in Gotham Harbour, turning them into Joker fish with like the makeup and the smiles and green mm. gills. Now, he didn't do this to poison the fish. He did it so the fish looked like him, so he could claim copyright on the fish and claim percentage of all fish sales <laughs> in Gotham. <laughs> Number two, the Joker had a dwarf henchman called Gaggy Gagsworth, uh, who was a little pint-sized henchman like Joker's moody me, who <laughs> went around and assisted him in crimes until Batman stopped him. Tell me his name again. Gaggy Gagsworth. <laughs> Can you say nominative determinism? Nominative determinism. Bastard. <laughs> and finally, the Joker once dressed up as a woman and covered his face with makeup, pretended to be a wealthy Gotham socialite, seduced Bruce Wayne, they had a six month relationship. <laughs> Got married and it was only on the wedding night when Batman went into the honeymoon room and undressed the woman that it became apparent it was the Joker That's underneath the all along. Game. <laughs> 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 mm. So, d- does he have Gaggy Gagsworth, his dwarf henchman? Did he poison the fish of Gotham in a scheme to get a percentage of fish sales? <laughs> or did he spend six months seducing and marrying Batman only to ruin his honeymoon night by revealing it was the Joker all along? 
See, when the Joker disguised himself as a nurse, I always find it hilarious in The Dark Knight that Two-Face didn't recognise him until he took <laughs> off his mask. Yeah, so. but he's really drugged up. He's just had half his face burned off. He's not going to be fully alert. Oh, he was pretty alert. Mm-hmm. I can forgive it. Six-month love affair seems a bit long. It does. I could imagine that being some sort of weird Joker daydream that he has within a story but doesn't actually happen. It was like done as a montage. So it starts off with him going, meeting him like at a ball. What do you call a montage in a comic book? John? <laughs> Frames. It's all montages. <laughs> I've and got my suspicions it, you, now. You, you just got like lots of little cuts of Bruce Wayne and this woman like on a boat on a lake and uh, did he having dinner and color hair, dancing. Did she have... uh, blonde. Did he fall in love with her lovely smile? I don't know. I haven't actually seen that bit of it, but that would have been the joke to do, wouldn't it? Had that been in there. So we're also saying Batman doesn't believe in sex before marriage. Apparently not, because uh, it was only on the honeymoon. Hmm. He always uses perfect bat like. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Gaggy Gagsworth, I can imagine as a sort of 1940s comic book character. Sadly, not the 40s. Sadly, the late 60s. 60s. And I I think he's made sporadic appearances since. Okay. Is he a comic book or is he 60s TV show? Uh, Comic book. Okay. I'm going to pick the last one. Batman, Mavi and the Joker. Yes. I'm going to go for Gaggy Gagsworth. Gaggy Gagsworth. Yeah. I'll go for the joking game as well. You two are both correct. Ah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Joker never dressed as a woman, seduced Batman and married him. But uh, Gaggy Gagsworth is a real character and he did poison the fish so they looked like mini Jokers so he could claim copyright and a percentage of fish sales. <laughs> in what sounds like the dullest story. Did he succeed? If you look online, there's a picture of the Joker fish. It was a comic book story originally and also one of the episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Mm. Um, and you can also find pictures of Gaggy Gagsworth online. We're, we're currently now. all Googling on our phones <laughs> Gaggy Gagsworth. Ha ha ho ho, for laughing out loud, the crime prince of crime is back with a new hilarious henchman. And here's a picture of the Joker fish. Mm. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. Do you know if that's what they based Mini-Me on? Mini-Me was based on the Island of Dr. Moreau, the terrible remake. Oh, yes, with Marlon Brando's insistence that... He had a little Or was it not a henchman. hybrid of, well, Dr. No's look, which is obviously what Dr. Evil's based yeah. on, but also the um, man with the golden gun, and as her veal chase is a little side. He does, doesn't he, yeah. I think Mike Myers has said, oh, it was, he was watched Island of Dr. Moreau, and he's like, I need a Mini-Me. Full name, Gagsworth A. Gagsworthy. Ah. Mm. Gagsworth Gagsworthy. <laughs> yes. Affectionately known as Gaggy. Yeah. <laughs> I have got three facts about Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Yeah. I've already done a Jeff Goldblum film before Bluff. Have you? Interesting. Oh. Yeah. But he is a specimen worthy of interesting <laughs> facts. Well, let's see if I've mm-hmm. repeated anything. Okay. Number one Jeff Goldblum's performance in The Fly led to a lifelong interest in entomology, being the study of insects. Mm-hmm. Number two. He met one in Jurassic Park and its big pile of shit, but the real Jeff Goldblum's favourite dinosaur is also Triceratops. Mm -hmm. And number three, Jeff Goldblum is an accomplished jazz pianist and performs regularly in Los Angeles. Okay, I definitely believe the third one. I know the third one because he's just released a jazz album. Yeah. And he performed in Uh, a train station over here, didn't he? Yeah, St. Pancras. Obviously, this might be the wrong company to ask whether people really have a favourite dinosaur, Dan. But <laughs> do we really think that people... I think people have favourite dinosaurs. Yeah, but not the Triceratops. Come on. 
You go T-Rex, you go Raptor. No, Stegosaurus, man. Okay. Yeah, herbivores are the best. Okay, but Triceratops is like like a 6 out of 10, I'd say. It's just a rhino, <laughs> isn't it? Iconic. Is there some sort of trip advisor for dinosaurs? <laughs> there should be. Rate my dino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Swipe left. If you had to have sex with a dinosaur, Dan. <laughs> if you had to. Right. What dinosaur would you have sex with and why? <laughs> Why am, really I, why am I thinking this? about it this much? <laughs> a Dilophosaurus, because they look like caring, sensitive lovers. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Just come back to me. Maybe go pterodactyl, because at least they can take you off to interesting places to have yeah. sex. Yeah. <laughs> you, you probably want to go for herbivore, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking probably some kind of hadrosaur that doesn't have any armour or spikes or anything like that. And just, <laughs> yeah, like a spike's probably a biggie. Yeah. 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 And obviously your carnivores are just going to stink of rotting meat. You don't want to get near that. Although the tiny arms would... <laughs> you just hold his head and he yeah. just like... <laughs> well, that's just hold hands. Um, I think a triceratops. I'd, I'd, I'd fuck a triceratops. You've got like the three horns. You've got something to hold on to, haven't you? Like, uh, yeah, well, your... Why so, are you holding on that way? So triceratops are over big. the top. Triceratops make you so horny. So am I. Make you horny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a titanosaur, one of the giant sauropods, just because you could say that you'd had sex with the largest mm. creature that ever lived. Mm. Just as a bragging right, I don't know. <laughs> I've done quite a bit of studying of Jeff Goldblum, and I haven't come across the insect fact before. It'd put you off insects if anything to fly. Yeah. Yeah. I think his favourite dinosaurs are triceratops. I think Jeff would be a bit, you know, he wouldn't go for one of the obvious ones, he's a cool guy. So I'm going to say that he doesn't have a lifelong interest in insects. Yeah, uh, I'm going for that too. You're all right. Yay! Yay. (laughs) No, he uh, didn't study flies after being Mm -hmm. a fly in the fly. But he did say on a Reddit AMA that Triceratops is his favourite dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And yes, he has just released a jazz album and did perform at St Pancras. And uh, is there almost every week in LA. And on the Graham Norton show, which next week is going to be some interesting guests. And I've applied to be in the audience. Is it Hemsworth? It's Chris Hemsworth, Paul Rudd, Kit Harrington, Amelia Clark, and Julianne Moore. Not bad. Mm. Mm. I'd like to be on a couch with those people. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some very interesting conversation. Like? So tell us about your new film. I think that might come up. <laughs> Julianne Moore, you were in The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. Which dinosaur would you fucking why? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so mine is about uh, four Marvel Comics characters, and you've got to pick which one was made up and never appeared in the comics. <gasps> Change of format. Breaking the rules. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> number one. Hell Cow is a vampire cow from Switzerland who was called Bessie, but was turned into one of the undead by Dracula himself. After roaming the earth for 300 years, she was staked by Howard the Duck. Okay. Number two. Antenna has a screen in his chest and a pair of rabbit ear aerials on his head, like an early Teletubby. He broadcasts TV shows laced with alpha waves to lull people to sleep and rob or mind control them. He first appeared in the Fantastic Four in 1965. Number three. Star Fox has the powers of super seduction, emotional control and pleasure stimulation. His power is basically making everyone so attracted to him they want to shag him. And his brother is Thanos. And number four, the Phone Ranger has a big old-fashioned telephone on his shoulders 
and was a telephone repairman called A.G. Bell who discovered a microscopic spaceship inside a phone receiver. He used its technology to hack into any telecom system in the universe. Well, that's a load of shit, isn't it? Yeah, there? that's the one you made up. It's it's a very Petery. A.G. Bell. Yeah. Alexander Bell. Yeah. Mm. The cow is... I know the cow. I don't... Yeah. Of course you do. Of course you do, John. Intimately. And that was my first wife, yes. <laughs> oh! oh. <laughs> the sound you heard just there was John dropping his mic and walking out of the room. <laughs> The hell cow I was humming and harming about until you said Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. And I have a vague memory. I will now be completely wrong, but that sounds like a Howard the Duck thing. Yeah, I was fully on board with the hell cow stuff until I heard the name Bessie and that she was from <laughs> Switzerland. This is the way my mind works. I thought, well, Bessie's not a very Swiss name. And this is what <laughs> makes me think it's a bluff. Um, I can fully believe Dracula biting a cow and the cow becoming a vampire and rampaging mm. for 300 years, but a Swiss cow called Bessie? Mm. <laughs> mm. Slightly ironic they got staked as well. <laughs> oh. Antenna, the TV guy? Mm. That sounds that sounds 60s Fantastic Four-ish. Yeah. Star Fox, I'm not convinced about. Men because Star Fox is a Nintendo character. Yeah. Thanos does have a weird family. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's so angry that's all the time. drove him to it. Yeah. Mm. Jealousy. I mean, in the I'm going to cl- get rid of 50% of the universe, including my brother. <laughs> yeah. Mm. In, Can it, he turn this power of sexiness on and off? Or is he just is everyone uncontrollably yeah. attracted to him? He actually has the sex stone, which is the seventh <laughs> infinity stone. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. It would be awkward, wouldn't it? In the comics, Thanos' whole thing is wanting to get together with Death and seduce her. And he's wiping out half the universe to try and get into bed with Death. Mm-hmm. A sexy lady death. Not I save the add. planet. Not save the planet. He wants to do it um, <laughs> with death. Um, do it with death. Do it with death. Dance to the devil. Quietly. So yeah, if his brother's a sex fiend, then that probably makes sense. Okay. Mm. And the fourth one was the phone ranger. Yep, I'm going for that. Yeah. One. Why are we even debating this? Mm. Well, I'm going with Bessie. <laughs> I'm going with the phone ranger. Yeah, the phone ranger. You're all wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the one I made up was Antenna. Oh. Ah. But all the other ones are entirely true. There are also other ones like Lockjaw, who was a giant talking pit bull who has jaws of steel and is capable of multidimensional travel via mm. teleport. As featured in The Inhumans. Uh, the Almighty Dollar, that. who was an accountant who could shoot pennies from his wrist. And the Puppet Master, who wants to take over the world with his magically animated clay puppets. He controls people by making puppets out of radioactive clay and attaching strings to them. Question mm. about the pennies from the wrists. Mm-hmm. Was it like created technology or was it like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man where he just organically produced pennies? Yeah, apparently he was rich because he could make pennies from his uh, wrists. Mm. I'll do enough. I can make pennies from my wrist. Um, if you fancy a hand job behind the bike wall, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a five or a go. I'm not fussy. <laughs> I uh, I drove to Manchester this week and there was a car wash which actually said Manchester's finest five minute hand job. <laughs> uh, Did it have a price? I think it was five pounds. Um, I didn't get any change. Was that you, John? <laughs> <laughs> so you know when um, Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige was on the papers this week saying, "I'm really really excited now. We've got Fox and now we've got hundreds of Marvel characters back and." We can do a lot more with the minor characters you've never heard of. There's a lot of shit in there, isn't there? They've got hundreds and hundreds of characters, but I don't think we're going to see a film about an accountant firing pennies from his wrists. 
Well, they're going down the lesser-known route with Phase 4, with Shang-Chi and the Eternals. and mm. Though Shang-Chi does that. sound like an attempt to do a Black Panther, but for a Chinese audience. Yes. And obviously that'll mm-hmm. play well Which in China as well. Yeah, absolutely. When will it be a superhero film aimed at straight white men? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> You're feeling underrepresented, are you? No spandex, because that gives me funny thoughts. <laughs> My buffer bluff is related to the first cinematic appearances by female actors. Okay. So the first time they ever appeared in a cinema-released film. Julie Andrews' first ever role was in Mary Poppins. Emma Stone's first one was in Titanic. And Sofia Coppola, her first ever role was in The Godfather. Does she play a baby in The Godfather? Is that right? Yes. At the end of The Godfather, where the intercut, the baby being christened with all Michael's enemies being offed one by one, that baby is Sophia Coppola. Okay. Who's also in part three. Less interestingly in part three, yeah. That was the part that was supposed to be played by Winona Ryder before she dropped out. And they managed to find the only person who was even more of a charisma vacuum than Winona Ryder to take on the role. She's She's good in Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been unkind to Winona Ryder, but she's terrible in the other Francis Ford Coppola film that she's in. Yes. Well, everything about that film <laughs> is terrible, and it should be wiped out of existence. The effects are amazing. All those effects that are done in camera are great, but the anyhow. my least favorite film of all the films that have ever existed. Really? Yeah. I wow. Hate it. Um, Which film? I thought you quite Francis liked it. Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. There's, oh, a, there's a lot of castles and knights and armor in it. I thought you quite liked that. Castles, so shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Gary Oldman dressed like Geddy Lee from Rush. <laughs> what, was the, what was the question again? Emma Stone in Titanic. Yeah, that was it. That was her mm. first role. Mm. Was it? Was, who was she? Uh, she played Cora, the little girl who has a dance with Leo. I mean, she must have been very... How old's Emma Stone? She is 32. So Titanic's about 20 years old now? Yeah, so, so she'd be about 12. 10. Yeah, mm. okay, so that's... I don't remember seeing her in anything else before Superbad, no, yeah. which is nearly 10 years later. So she must have been playing younger than she actually is. When she was in uh, oh, what's it? The House Bunny. Oh, I haven't seen The House mm. Bunny. Superbad's the first thing I remember noticing her in. And then she was in um, Zombieland not mm. long after. Yeah, mm. Easy A was around then as well. Mm. Was Poppins before Sound of Music? Yes. Said confidently there, John. Not confidently at I'm all. I'm not sure no. about that. I'm not sure I convinced that's the first yeah. one She won the her. Oscar for it, didn't she? Was she doing stage musicals? Must have been. That'll have been where... That's the only mm-hmm. reason you might have done the transition. Yeah. Intense eye contact from Hazel there. As, <laughs> I, as if yeah. we'd correctly guessed something. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Julie Andrews is the bluff. I think she might have been in a small role. Oh, she's looking excited like she's got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to go... That's always the way I look at you, John. Excited. (laughs) I'm going to go with Emma Stone, just Mm -hmm. because I feel like, were that true, I'd have seen it or read it somewhere before now. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Oh, no, no, I'm going to change my mind and go for Mary Poppins. I'm going to go for Emma Stone. I think she was in Titanic, but I think she'd probably done stuff before that as well as a Mm -hmm. small child. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Peter, you would have been right if you stuck to your guns. Uh, no, yeah, Emma Stone was never in Titanic. Um, uh, but, but yes, um, Julie Andrews had done a couple of TV movies, but because I said mm. cinematic movies, mm. they don't count. So yeah, very first cinematic role was Mary Poppins. Mm. 
And yes, the baby in The Godfather is actually Sofia Coppola before she was in the third mm. one and then became a director in her own right. Oh, I've just broken my run of about eight corrects in a row. <laughs> which I've just done. Always stick to your first instinct. Yeah. Except when you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> John, in, in your ranking of all of the Coppola's, Nick Cage is presumably at the top. Nick but Cage where, is the top. Yeah, where does Sofia rank? As a director or, or as no, an as a Coppola. As a Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> she is my fourth favourite Coppola. Mm. Was she married to Spike Lee at one stage? Spike, Spike Jones, Jones, yeah. Um, Jason Schwartzman is technically a Coppola, so he's number two. Mm-hmm. Francis, number three. Sophia, number four. Roman, number five. Very good. And that concludes another episode of the Coppola Chart Show. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's in next week? <laughs> it's more couple. There's, there's loads of them. <laughs> Nick Cage got married, not to me. Yeah, but he got divorced again. On, though, so on my it's birthday. Okay. birthday, it yeah. was yeah. Four yes. days it lasted, didn't it? Apparently, they got married. They were seen arguing and throwing shit at each other in a Las Vegas casino that evening. Did he discover it was the Joker dressed up as a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he saw two minutes into the future. <laughs> so four days. Wife number three or four. How long do you reckon you would have lasted, John? What, is Nick Cage's wife? <laughs> yes. Gone in 60 seconds. Boom. <laughs> hey! Hey! And then he went, next. <laughs> and John was left behind. Oh. Oh, I ruined it. <laughs> if, you, if you had to pick a dude, would it be Nick Cage? Uh, it would be Prince, but ah. mm. not, so, not so much now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there is now a Prince-inspired wrestler who you'd probably quite enjoy, John. I think I'd just be made angry. Called yeah. the purple something. He's the Velveteen Dream. No. <laughs> um, and he dresses in extremely outlandish outfits. He, he just, he's not ripping off Prince, but he's sort of inspired by the, the style and just general uniqueness of Prince. Is a wrestler that doesn't wear outlandish elaborate outfits? Yeah, they're all really boring now. They all pretend to be mixed martial arts-style athletes. But uh. th- this guy stands out because he's just dressing outlandishly mm-hmm. like Prince. Mm. I miss wrestling when it used to be very silly, so it sounds like it might be going back to that yeah, you, kind of thing yeah. now. Didn't you go to a, a Prince all-you-can-drink buffet? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the idea behind it was that you would go and you would get an hour Prosecco and you would get some pancakes and there would be a Prince disco with like a live DJ and lights and a disco and stuff. And the day before, we got an email saying, oh, we've moved it to a different location and we were a bit sort of suspicious about this. And we got there, and it's basically a Spotify playlist on a laptop hooked into some speakers in what looks like a community-run theatre venue space. So with some tables and food, that took about an hour and a half to come. And we were a little bit disappointed with this, but they made up for it by making the hour of free Prosecco just all-you-can-drink free Prosecco all day. And after about two hours of this, they'd pulled the tables to one side. There was lots of middle-aged women, very drunk and Prosecco, dancing to Vince Greatest Hits. And uh, we got absolutely hammered and it was an excellent day. <laughs> Did it cost nineteen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, speaking of, sort of slightly odd events that you wouldn't expect were happening, is anybody going to see Nicholas Brendan, a.k.a. Xander from Buffy? On his oh, live tour this month. Thing, in yeah. South Shields. In yeah. South Shields. He was in Edinburgh last night as of recording, but mm-hmm. as of a week mm-hmm. prior to the recording, no venue had yet been announced. Mm-hmm. So I did not purchase a £40 ticket. £40? Yeah. £10 if you just want to watch an episode of Buffy with him. Oddly, the musical episode, which he's barely in. 
Um, but 40 quid if you want an autograph or anything more than just watching yeah. an episode of Buffy with there him in the same room. Various levels of things you can get for your money. Yes. Is 40 pounds the maximum? 40 pounds is the minimum. Oh, minimum. To get anything. It goes yes, up into three figures. It's not just watching an episode of Buffy, though. There's like a there's a disco afterwards, isn't there, or something? I think there's a, there might be a and a Yeah. But I think you've got to pay extra if you want a disco with him. <laughs> what, do you have a tax bill? For people that aren't local to us, we're based in Newcastle, which is quite a large city. South Shields is a small adjunct to the city, about 10 miles north. On the coast. So it's a small coastal town with pleasure land. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got a decent theatre. It's got the Customs House yep. theatre. Yeah. But it's not a large city. It's a... It's not a venue that well-known people tend to play. So it's interesting that he's come all the way over here and is in South Shields. I don't think he came just for that. I think it's one, <laughs> one stop of many. So he's had, he's had issues. Is he not well? Um, I think I think the past issues. Controversies. I think, yes. Probably just you make more money this way than you do other ways he might make money. Yeah, like doing... Um, Hand jobs behind the bike wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, John. Um, yeah, stand, I think standard conventions, uh, one way, but doing an evening with mm-hmm. yeah. seems to be quite a big thing now. Mm. Quite small venues, but it's just them and... You know, you're getting 100% of the ticket money, I suppose. You're not yeah. sharing it with anyone else. John, I think you've seen Bruce Campbell's latest scheme of that ilk, where he's going around doing nerd quizzes. Yeah, um, it's on Comic-Con TV on YouTube. They did one series of it, but he's been told this is a live thing for a while now. And it's called Last Fan Standing. Basically, Bruce Campbell is a quiz show host. A room full of people, you are all given buzzers in the first half. And they whittle you down to the last four who then get up on stage and get to have a quiz with Bruce Campbell hosting, just with all very, very nerdy questions. The odd thing about it is the questions are so, so easy. Did you watch mm, an episode yeah, of this? Yeah, only half one. I liked him. I thought he was quite good as a game show host. He was, yeah. Um, if you watch some of the later ones, he gets much more into it as well, much mm. more comfortable. And he's, he's, he's obviously got years and years of Q&As and he's got that persona very well down and... It's a good idea, but I, I don't think there was a single question I couldn't answer straight away off the top of my head. Yeah, it was like what year yeah. Star Wars released. It was like the same question within five minutes. So the first question was, what major blockbuster was released in 1977? Buzzer, Star Wars. Literally five minutes later, the same contestants, the same thing. What year was Star Wars released? Maybe it's just a test to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> see if people are actually watching the show. So now is time for the return of Shameful Gap. And in this feature, one of us nerds confesses to not seeing a famous nerdy film. And you say one of us. Yeah. It's there's, normally... a, there's a pattern. Should we just call it Hazel's Shameful Gap? <laughs> 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 yes, the watches it for the very first time and comes to the podcast to reveal their findings. So I would like to confess that I have never seen Groundhog Day. Oh, shame. shame. I now know what the section in our opening theme song's about. <laughs> <laughs> what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. I was like, oh, yeah. Groundhog <laughs> <laughs> time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors. Is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Bang! But Phil's about to find out he's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck. It's in 
on Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Stars Bill Murray, obviously, on um, probably career best form. Never seen him better. He plays Phil Connors, who is a weatherman, quite a sarcastic and arrogant one at that. And he is sent to a town called Puxatawney. Is that right? Puxatawney. Along with a camera crew, which consists of Rita, played by Andy McDowell, and the cameraman whose name I've totally forgotten. So he's sent to cover Groundhog Day, which is basically a way for this town in Philadelphia to predict how long the winter's going to last. So they bang on the box, a groundhog comes out, and if the groundhog sees a shadow, it's going to be a long winter, and if he doesn't, spring's going to come early. Then a blizzard, which he failed to predict, hits the town, so he and his camera crew are then stranded. And he wakes up at six o'clock in the morning the next day, and he realises he is reliving Groundhog Day over and over again. First, he's pretty scared and confused, doesn't know what's going on, until he kind of gets this lightning bolt moment where he speaks to a couple of people in a bar and asks them, what would you do if you were living the same day over and over again? And they said, well, I guess there'd be no consequences. So he starts going on this crime spree, drives his car onto train tracks, he steals a bag of money, and then he starts getting even more dangerous. It's a really interesting take that he starts off confused and becomes incredibly depressed. One of the most uncomfortable moments for me is he manipulates information to sleep with women. He sees a woman in a diner and asks, which high school did you go to? Who's your teacher? And then the very next day, he uses that to manipulate her into thinking that they know each other and then sleeps with her. And he uses this trick on Rita, the producer. I think this must take place over the course of several years because he changes it slightly every single time. He gets to know her favourite drink. He gets to know her hobbies. So she's really into French poetry. The first time he learns that, he goes, oh God, it's so boring. And then the next time he tries it, he recites a poem in French. That was quite uncomfortable for me to watch. And I was quite pleased with every time that she rebuffed him. But it doesn't end there. He realises that that isn't the right way to go about it. He confesses to these powers and she ends up spending the day with him just to see how it all pans out. And that kind of changes his mind. He starts using his powers for good. He saves a man from choking. He saves a child from falling from a tree. It's like, you never thank me. See you tomorrow, maybe. He helps a group of ladies who'd broken down their car and he changes the tyre for them. And towards the end of the day, people keep coming up to him and saying thank you for all the good things that he's been doing. And they all do this in front of Annie McDowell's character to say what a wonderful man he is. And she apparently genuinely falls in love with him. And that is what ends Groundhog Day for him. He wakes up the next day thinking that it's going to be the same day again when he's eventually got Annie McDowell into bed. But because he had used his powers for good, that seemed to break the curse. Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, with the sort of sexual side of things, I mean, to some extent, men do try and present the best side of themselves. They will sometimes learn an instrument to impress women, which he learns to play piano and things. So there's an element of that that's reasonable. That's the, mm. kind of the yeah. section of the film beforehand when he's just trying anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly more, with the other woman, it sounds very, very dodgy. Yeah. yeah, there's still an element of oh, well, if she said no forty nine times, she'll might say yes the fiftieth time, yeah. and it's like not taking no for an answer. But then yeah. he's trying to change himself into something she would want. But I'm, even I'm that, just trying that, to take that the counter argument. That here. doesn't work. Is there not an earlier one where they end up together? 
There is an earlier one where she makes it back to his hotel room, yeah. but then um, he says that he loves her. And it's like, how you barely know me. Mm-hmm. She feels she's being manipulated again, slaps him and leaves. So I think it's only when he genuinely becomes a better person that... Uh-huh. Yeah, so sleeping yeah. with her wasn't the main goal. Yeah. But yeah. she's still only known him for a day. Yeah, this is... But he's known genuine. her for many, many years, so mm-hmm. there is some level of inequality in the relationship. It's like if you there. and Chris only... Chris has only known you for a day, but you've, <laughs> you've known everything about him for yeah, a I get, I guess your non-timey-wimey equivalent is if you stalk somebody for 10 years, you'll know them really well, <laughs> mm-hmm. and... There is always going to be a level of duplicity and deceitfulness, mm. even if magical powers were the reason for it. You research Tinder profiles, though, don't you? I if don't, going, but... No, I'm neither do I. But <laughs> like, if you were going on an online date and you've read someone's profile and it said, I love Hamilton more than anything in the world, it's my favourite thing. Well, you've read mine, then. <laughs> You'd probably listen to the Hamilton soundtrack before you went on that date. Or you probably read the Hamilton yeah. Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, so you can kind of discuss it with them on and be in level terms, but yeah. I wouldn't pretend to be an actor in Hamilton. Or... If you had enough free time. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see the stage play a couple of years ago. This the Tim Minchin one? That does deal with that point mm. very well. The woman who he sleeps with gets a song to herself at the start of the second half about how women in these sort of things always just put to one side and don't have their own moment and are just mm. used by the men. I kind of wish I had watched it when I was younger and less battle shy of what some men can be like. I kind of wish I'd watched it as a kid and not seen that side of it. Tonal differences if it was remade now. Mm. Yeah. Probably. Just to try and avoid Probably. that side of things. I also wouldn't cast Andy McDowell, who is the In blandest actor. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed it with two reservations. I was beginning to feel uncomfortable at the forceful nature of Bill Murray's character and Annie McDowell's character was not someone I was drawn to. I wasn't sure Uh why he would fall in love with her. Maybe if she was less wet, it would have felt more like an even fight in some way. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, that she's not really... That character in the film doesn't seem worthy of thousands of years of mm. trying to attain this unattainable, amazing woman when she's just a bit of a drippy TV. She's there. She's just yeah. there. Yeah. Is there a definitive number of how many times he's Someone's repeated? Someone's calculated mm. how many years they think he was looping. Yeah, people try to work it out online and they reckon hundreds or thousands of years, don't they? Hundreds and thousands of years was in the first script. The director has said it's between 30 and 40 years. Really? Yeah. Much, much less than yeah. I would have guessed. Even so, that's going to take a psychological toll on you afterwards, mm. once oh, you yeah. get back into normal chronology. That's, that's quite interesting because the psychological toll Sequel. is something that Bill Murray wanted to pursue a little bit more. Whereas the director wanted to keep it as a comedy, yeah. so there's Harold end Ramos. with the happy ending. Mm-hmm. So there is some contrast in tones in certain points where it's like, oh, they could have explored that a bit further, but they've done a gag. Mm. Yeah, and apparently they fell out spectacularly during the course of the film, and then they didn't come back together again until Harold Ramis's deathbed in 2014. Wow. Big reason there was no Ghostbusters three, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Presumably recorded their voiceovers for the Ghostbusters game mm-hmm. completely separately. <laughs> yeah. I think Bill Murray was going through a bad divorce at the time and had some personal issues and was very hard work on the set, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because they, they did a lot of stuff together beforehand, but they really fell out over it. Mm. This dodgy changing yourself or appearing to be someone else. The end of Greece, I thought, was a bit yeah. odd because there's yeah. that strange she has, bit she where... She gives up everything. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen in the uh, Sing Along of Greece version, the re-release of it, they digitally removed the cigarette? 
Mm. You know, at the end where it's like she's got... Yeah. And then she, she stamps it, it yeah. out. So what does she sound like? I'm nothing. I think it's just digitally removed. <laughs> Sweet cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He does lots of nice things for people at the end of Groundhog Day, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, 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 I remember him giving some tickets to yeah. WrestleMania to a couple. Yes, that's yes. right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. WrestleMania 9, I believe. The world's largest toga party. <laughs> it but generally the, acknowledges one, yeah. uh, one of the worst ones. But the idea is that he genuinely had changed. He wasn't yeah. just doing it to mm. get her. But is there thousands of alternative universes now where he's just a bit of a villain and... So he cycles round, but, but does... what happens to the rest of that universe? Uh, a lot of things are never explained. It's never explained mm. why he is waking up again and again. I don't think it needs to. No. I think an early draft made it explicit that he was cursed or something on the first day. He does something and they put a curse on him. If it had been made today, would they have felt the need to do in a whole exposition thing about how it works? I hope not, but they probably would. John, this is one of your favourite films? I absolutely love it, yeah. But I felt the same thing as you did. Watching it again after a little break, that in the middle, this is slightly dodgy behaviour. Yeah. I don't know whether it's in a world of sort of Me Too and that kind of thing where we're more alert to that. Because Peter Venkman doesn't stand up well no. anymore yeah. either. Yeah. 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 With, his, with his fake psychic cards. And pretty much everything he does for Dana in Ghostbusters yeah. is uh, a vain attempt to mm-hmm. stick with her until she eventually gets worn down enough to say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's Sigourney Weaver. That's worth the effort, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Scoring-wise, I think I'm going to give it eight and a half Groundhogs out of ten. Taking a point and a half off for those reservations that I had when I was watching it. But I don't want that to take away from my thought. It was a really enjoyable film. I laughed out loud several moments. And it was also a very original film. For all that, I know the concept of mm-hmm. reliving the mm. same day over and over again, even in the time. It the 90s it came out. 90s, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to say 93 just because of WrestleMania 9. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, watching that for the very first time would have been even more original. I give it lots of respect for the story that it came up with. Really, really enjoyed it. So I don't want those things to take away from it. Hmm. So it's just a time where we confess that Dan has spent the last 200 years crafting the perfect podcast to try and lower you into podcasting with us. He's been obsessed for a while. He, he's, he's never seen a second of Star Wars, the lying <laughs> shit. Game of Thrones. He's no interest yeah. in Game of Thrones. He's never, he's never seen Hamilton. He spent the last five years learning the lines of Hamilton in an attempt to impress you. Wow, yeah. even before it came out. I know, <laughs> yeah. What, what's even more impressive is that these two came along with me and, and have also been stuck in this infinite loop. And oh, yeah. why, mm-hmm. There we are. So if you, if I, you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't quite know where John's going with this. So. What we're saying is uh, where, the, where the Bill Murray's and this entire podcast yeah, is in his lap You're the sexual deviant. <laughs> we're talking about people researching people before they date and stuff, and we're saying the podcast was in effect a sort of hazel, hazel training climber. manual. <laughs> <laughs> we're wondering whether some of your dates changed after the podcast started coming out, because they essentially had so much easier way of getting to know things you'd like and stuff like that. Wait, my current boyfriend did listen to every single exactly. episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I did have, I had a stalker once where I didn't have the name of the podcast on my profile, yeah. but they'd found me anyway. Impressive. Mm. So there's a bit in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray complains about being trapped in that particular day. He talks about having previously been on a beach with a model and oh yes yes blah 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 and why could why you could get it have that? been that yeah. day yeah. so 
Mm. In your lives, if you had to pick one day that you could have been trapped as your Groundhog Day, Ooh. what would it be? Genuinely, at the moment, it's when I want to see Hamilton. <laughs> that's a very good answer. Yeah. I, I mean, that is that's a temp. That's. Mm. But you also had to do a day of work, go on a train from Newcastle to London. I was already at work. I'd had a day of meetings. So your yeah. perfect day would be a day of meetings. Your boyfriend wouldn't be there. It'd be a day of meetings, <laughs> and then going to see a play. Even if you had the best day ever, you wouldn't want to get sick of that day. So I think I would, yeah. I think I would pick a mediocre day. Louise was here, but all my friends were nearby and around available. So I could then, having had that day over and over again, I could choose different things to do each day. Hmm. Like a blank slate of a day that I could fill with joy. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another Nerdfest episode. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Do check us out on our website, nerdfestpodcast.com. All of our old episodes on there, including highlights about Karen Gillan riding a rhino. That's my favourite so far. You can also check us out on social media at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. But we'll be coming back into your ears very, very shortly. In two weeks, in fact. Uh, until then, you've been listening to... The Velveteen Dream, Dan Watkins... Batman saving himself for his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would he do that? Chastity utility belt. Chastity. <laughs> yeah. Peter Starfox Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we've all managed to get the kryptonite that repels. <laughs> I'm flattered that you think you need that. <laughs> do you just like have some chloroform and... <laughs> He's learnt my technique for Chris Hensworth. <laughs> He's a big man, Chris Hensworth. I was close on the He is a big man. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Hazel Burton, and I finally understand the start of the episode. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye. For today's coda of the episode, the Avalon Hamilton discussion. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yes. Where should we start? I don't know. We should probably go song by song, to yeah. be honest, shouldn't okay. we? You go ahead and we'll make sure it's recording. <laughs> <laughs> Pub Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how does a bastard... Orphan, um, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle, middle of, of a the forgotten, forgotten spot in the Caribbean. Yeah. You know, John, I, I kind of hope they were joking. Did you hope no, they were joking? I know. I'm, 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 I'm a scholar. Should we just have our own Hamilton. discussion while they try and do this? Ten, the ten dollar founding yeah. father. That'd be great. Why sabotage it? Doing anything good this weekend? Yeah. Well, he got. Yeah, he's doing a game of Thrones rewatch in a moment. I'm going to watch Life Force again. Really? Are you sure? Doesn't sound like Louise wants to watch that. Ridiculous. Struggled and kept his guard up. Inside, he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg steel, borrow a part. Out Hamilton me. Finally. You have seen it twice, haven't you? I've been listening to the soundtrack for about three years. Ah, uh, see, I'm pretty I'm much nonsense. Yeah. Take me down.